the Sports Career Podcast, episode 183. How important is data in the sports industry? Sports Achiever, it's your host Ed Bowers here. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports Crib Podcast. It's great to have you here and my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who's an expert in a particular field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest with regards to sports business and data analytics. I really do hope that this episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is Mike Lafayette. Mike is the founder and CEO of Global Sports Strategies, where he specializes in technology strategies and data analytics to help key stakeholders to achieve better outcomes through sport. I'm really intrigued with regards to Mike's career journey, and it's great to have him as a special guest on the show. That's when today's episode, Mike will share his sports career journey and explain to you how data is really influencing the future of the sports industry. Mike, it's such a pleasure to have you as a special guest on the show. Please can you share to the listeners your sports career journey. When did it all start? Thanks, Ed. Um, well, a uh, long time ago, really. So uh, I guess this, the journey probably really started um, when I was about 13 at school. Um, so I was kind of forced to do cross-country at school, a uh, compulsory thing. I went running with um, someone from my house. So we were all in houses just happened to have the guy who was the fastest cross-country runner in my house ran with him on a training run and managed to keep up with him so when we got to the day of the cross-country race he said you know you should run with me as much as you can and and just keep up for as long as you can so anyway long story short I ran with this guy we're coming towards the end of the race and he slipped over and there was a guy chasing us from behind and he just sort of shouted at me, just run as fast as you can. So I ran as fast as I can, crossed the finishing line and became the first person in the fourth form to ever win the school cross country, you know. So my rugby master, after probably a good few months of watching me doing rugby and doing running, realized I was probably a better runner than I was a rugby player. So he took me down to the local running club, which was Brighton & Hove Athletic Club. And um, Steve Overt was a member of that club. So I used to train there on a Tuesday night and, and he was pretty inspirational guy to be around, you know, world record holder, um, you know, won the Olympics in, in Moscow. So he was a guy that I, I used to run with. Anyway, because he was in my British League team and... Um, I couldn't really get into the middle distance events with that. Mickey Gratton, who won the London Marathon one year, was our distance runner. So I ended up doing steeplechase um, and actually went on to, you know, kind of compete at a pretty, pretty decent level. When I was at uni, I saw Chariots of Fire and I really 
kind of wanted to run in the Olympics. So um, after school, I got a job working in a commodity trading company, um, very well paid, um, but it also allowed me to train sort of in central London. So I was probably training 12 times a week, plus three weight sessions while I was working. So it was a pretty crazy schedule, to be honest. But actually what happened as a consequence of that was I was training in High Park. And a very good friend of mine who was from Brighton and Hoe Running Club was working for the International Amateur Athletic Federation at the time. So, so after we'd been training quite a bit together at lunchtimes, he eventually said, you know something about computers, don't you? Why, why don't you come over and, and have a chat with us? And clearly they didn't really have the kind of the resources that we had at Mark Rich. So, um, so I went over and I was talking to them a little bit about computers and how you can help. And, and I was also a programmer as well as a sort of IT specialist. So um, I was building trading systems for oil and minerals and all sorts of other bits and pieces. Not my bag at all, to be quite honest, you know, but it paid the bills and actually, you know, it was quite fun for a while. But sport was the passion. Um, and at some point I was probably not enjoying that job at Mark Rich particularly. Um, and they said to me, do you want to come and work in athletics? And I was going, to work in athletics and get paid. You know, that sounds pretty, pretty good to me. And particularly as I was a very keen athlete. Um, so um, eventually they said, look, we're really serious. Why don't you come and work for us? And I said, well, I'd love to, but quite honestly, I'm very well paid where I am. I can't see how you're going to match my current salary. I had a company car and pensions and all sorts of other bits and pieces. And they said, look, if you come over to us, we'll introduce you to some other international federations um, and you know, we'll try and set you up in your own business. So the deal was that actually I set up my own business and worked as a consultant for them um, and then they essentially would help me get other introductions and luckily for me the International Tennis Federation and the International Sailing Federation were all within about half a mile of each other so the opportunity um, came for me to actually set up my own business work for myself um, and work for three international sports federations well if you like sport and in those days I was really keen on my technology side of things um, what's not to love you know um, you're working in something you really enjoy you're talking about something you really enjoy every day um, and actually you're working for yourself as well um, so tick 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 um, but actually in a way it was kind of advantageous my I got injured I couldn't run for a while so my my sort of running career kind of came to an end then um, and and kind of my business career started to take off as my running career so I never quite got to the Olympics I ran in a Grand Prix meeting with Steve Cram I was the steeplechase while he was trying to break one of the world records so that's probably kind of the peak of my running career um, but actually it was fantastic I loved I loved it really really enjoyed it so um, but um, 
that opportunity to work in sport had opened. Um, I was probably working at one point probably every day, so seven days a week, and I was probably in some days putting in maybe 17, 18 hours a day. But I'm doing it for myself and I'm building a business and, and so I kind of felt it was worth it. Probably did that for two years, maybe, yeah, probably about two years. And I met this chap one day at sailing who was um, selling this um, software. I uh, was chatting to him and I said, what are you doing? And he said, oh, well, I'm producing this, um, these sailing rules. I said, sailing rules? He goes, yeah, 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 I've done this program where you can see, you know, what happens at this particular incident. It gives you all the rules on, on a floppy disk. No internet, so all on a little disk. And I said, oh, that's right. I said, how much are you charging for that? He says, oh, 100 pounds. I went, oh, okay. How many have you sold? 7,000. I said, that's pretty decent, you know. And when you're working 18 hours a day and you're realizing that, you know, if I got ill or I couldn't work, I wouldn't actually earn any money. So consultancy was, was great and that was all good and fine. But actually, you know, I realized that actually what I really wanted to do was produce a product rather than be a consultant. And then your thinking changes. You know, you sort of go into what could I produce as a product um, and what would it look like? Um, so I sat down in Hyde Park, had a sandwich in Hyde Park, thinking about what could I produce. And, and actually, it really occurred to me that one of the guys had said to me about um, having a sports calendar. Um, he needed data on when various events were taking place for planning when they were going to hold their championships. But he didn't have a calendar um, available at the time no internet so where do you get information about sports events you know and it got me thinking a lot about well i could build a computer program on a floppy disk um i just need to get all the calendars um from different places um so it was fun i could build the calendar i could build the, the physical way that you could access all this information um, so I had a flatmate at the time, I had a couple of other friends, and, and we kind of sat together and said, actually two people who were working with me at the IWF at the time, um, we used to meet on a Monday night, we'd send faxes to different organizations, we'd do a bit of research and find out how we could get this data. Um, and so we input all of these calendars using the software program that I'd written, um, got to Christmas Eve, finally sent out a whole bunch of, of letters to people, probably not the best time to market a product to, to people on Christmas Eve, but to my absolute amazement, we got back about, uh, I think it was about seven or eight letters saying we really would be interested in buying your product. £100 for a calendar on a floppy disk. Reuters, BBC, um, IMG, TWI, as it was called in those days. Um, so that started the process, you know, I'd sold my first product. Um, and it really wasn't sufficient to live off. So I was still doing the consultancy, but effectively I used my income from the consultancy to fund the first stages of this product. So we took a couple of people on and gradually 
you know, more and more people were getting interested in what we were doing. Um, and then, um, you know, a couple of really key moments, the, Fed, the International um, Athletics Federation moved to Monaco. So unfortunately, I lost my, my job working for them. I did have a choice to go to Monaco, but I, I decided I really didn't want to do that. So I stayed in the UK and then I kind of had a bit of a falling out with one of the people at tennis so I left the tennis federation and and actually probably you know that was the time that sport cow really started to grow um and because um in those days kind of computers you needed eight characters that's how sport and cow kind of couldn't have sport calendar because it was too long so sport cow created of course I never really thought what this could look like it was just simply an idea um little did i know that i'd end up working for that company for 28 years and that would be kind of my baby you know and that baby would grow from a little floppy disk to you know an online internet information service and we found Sporttel, so we discovered that broadcasters were very interested in this content but not actually so much for the calendar but actually they wanted to know who was buying the media rights and who was selling the media rights and so we started adding media rights information and then sponsors wanted to know who was sponsoring the events and then eventually suppliers wanted to know who was providing, you know, broadcast distribution for the event or, you know, timing or, or other things. So, so actually the calendar came to be kind of the front of it, but actually it was everything else at the back of it that people were interested in. So... You know, it just evolved. Um, then we did a daily news service, and and obviously as the internet expanded, um, and you know a lot of the content on the web is free. So actually, having a subscription service on the web was kind of almost kind of anti what people kind of thought. But this is where the whole data thing comes in. I think if you produce something that is um, unique and original um and something you can't find very easily on the internet people will pay for it you know and and so you know we went on a journey of selling a disc for a hundred pounds to probably i mean highest subscription we have was probably a hundred thousand pounds you know so so that's quite a journey where you're going from that kind of level um and you know, I went from being a computer programmer to really a data aggregator. So actually, I stopped programming, um, running a business, CEO of a business, no real training to be a CEO, but kind of you learned as you went along. Um, and then I kind of realized data, you know, how, how important data was. Um, and so, you know, we were aggregating around 33,000 sports events a year putting in sponsorship data, putting in broadcast data, hosting data, not really results. It was all kind of business. Probably as the industry of the business of sport started to grow, you know, so TV deals grew. I mean, actually, I started SportCal as Sky started, so there was no Sky Sports when I started. So, So, you know cable pay tv all of those kind of came along as i was growing my business so it was it was interesting to see how the industry kind of matured as my in, my product was growing um so 
either I grew and helped the industry grow or the industry grew and and I grew off the back of it you know it's it's kind of um, you know two things happened in parallel so it's all about timing you know where you are at whatever time so a lot of it's pure luck quite frankly you know um, but but obviously it's how what you do with it and how you make it so we ended up having an office in Lausanne and you know if I think back to the days when I kind of decided to go down this route it was because I love sport I really like technology I like meeting people and I like traveling and and this job ticked all those boxes you know so I don't feel that you're almost working when you're doing something you love you know and 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 I would encourage anybody if you're deciding what you're going to do for your career do something you love you know even if it doesn't pay as much as maybe other jobs you know the satisfaction you get of doing something you love and enjoy means you don't really feel like you're working as much you know it's it's more of a lifestyle than a than a job you know so that was pretty critical to me um and yeah so you know the journey then went from you know being me to being me and a few other people and you know we ended up i think having 45 people working for sport cal at one stage and um you know and that was that was quite something to, to sort of be on that journey um and build a great team of people actually and that was again a really enjoyable thing because you were working with people who love sports you know and actually you know now I've left sport Cal it's interesting that my team who a lot of have left as well you know often send me messages saying I really miss us all going in on a Monday morning talking about what an incredible weekend of sport has just happened because we were all kind of sports mad you know in fact if you didn't enjoy sport there was no point in coming to work for us quite frankly you know because that was the environment we created but but also we also created an environment where students could come and work at sport cal we we created a a a sort of a student training program that we would take on students for a year during their sort of work experience years and had some fantastic people actually but for the students and because of where we worked in sport they got this most amazing view of what sport offered so you know some of the people that came and worked for us ended up being lawyers working in the legal profession they ended up working for broadcasters or for federations or for sponsors or sometimes they went into you know umpiring you know they or physiotherapy or whatever so you know sport has so many areas that it reaches you know you can be in government planning and be working in sport you know you could be building stadiums and be an architect, you know. So that's the kind of the eye-opener that I got from actually working in the industry is that working in sport is a very broad definition, you know, and, and you can either be like me working for an international governing body, uh, you could be working for a National Olympic Committee, um, you could be a bus driver taking people to sports events, you know. So you could be a musician, you know, playing in opening ceremonies of sports events or catering at sports events you know so there's so much that kind of sport touches um but of course you know for me one of the 
things more latterly is getting people active and, and getting people healthy, you know. So, so it's been a really, it's been an, an amazing journey, but it's one that doesn't feel like I've been working, you know, so. I find this journey really interesting and there's two points I'm going to make now out of interest. Because you're a runner and I've had the privilege of running with you in Singapore, how important has running influenced your career? And if you don't mind as well, what three business sort of lessons have you learned through your career journey as well? So um, running running is incredibly important for me, um, you know, and, and okay, you know, I started probably just because someone fell over. I won a, won a race, you know, I mean, you know, um, who would have imagined? But actually running is... A whole set of things one it's a social thing one is it's um a mental thing really for me i do my best thinking when i run um because i just completely switch off i don't actually think about running at all you know it just it just happens you know um i'll give you an example um you know when i was doing my a levels and get, trying to get to university i completely flunked my first maths exam uh, it was a multiple choice, so I knew I'd done really badly. Came home, and I was pretty, pretty upset actually because I thought, "Well, that's it. I'm, I'm not going to get to Exeter University now." So, um, so Mum said, "Well, go for a run." So I did. I went for a run, and I came back. It was a misty day, classic Brighton day, very foggy. Went on the downs, went for this run, came back, and my mother goes, "Oh my God, where have you been?" I said, "What do you mean?" She said, you've been running for two hours. I had no clue. Absolutely no idea. I was just in this, in this haze of, of whatever. But actually what it did was kind of settle me for my next exam. And, uh, okay, I got a C, which probably in these days is not great, but it was enough to get me to, to Exeter University. So, so running, if I get stressed, I go for a run. You know, it's as simple as that. Um, it keeps me fit. Uh, you know, at one point my resting pulse was 42 so you know competitively wise um, you know it was really fascinating pushing your body and actually pushing your body is a really great thing as well actually because you're kind of you're kind of pushing yourself to see what your limits are so so being a competitive athlete was really quite a journey you know training that hard pushing for a goal but those are all the things that you kind of learn from business, you know. Um, the running makes you very targeted focused, you know. My ambition was to break nine minutes for the steeplechase. That was kind of the first target. So you train with a purpose to, to do something, you know. And then, you know, having done that target, you go, right, well, I want to do 8.50 now. I want to do 8.30, you know. So... So your whole structure as a runner is you're, you're doing certain times knowing that if you can do that in training, you can do that in competition, you know. So it's about planning, you know, so it's very, very structured. Um, that's an, a fantastic asset to have in business because it's a, it's a methodology, you know. And, and almost all sports people will have that, you know, that kind of sense of purpose that I'm doing this because I'm going to get here. So so the running 
has helped in the business process. Um, but, you know, also just it's a mental and physical thing, you know. And actually it was really interesting seeing that survey coming out the other day we did where, you know, people think that it helps them both mentally and physically. And I actually don't think enough people really understand the importance of the mental bit as well as the physical, you know. Doing sport is not just a physical thing, it's a mental thing as well. Um, so if you kind of take those those bits, running's been such an important part of my whole journey. Um, but the lovely thing is, you know, I can still run today at a pretty decent rate, you know, and I was 60 the other day and I, you know, I still kind of have a thing, I want to break 20 minutes for a 5k at the age of 60. So, so, you know, it's, I think once you've, it's kind of almost in your genes at that point, you know, it's like sort of you put your trainers on and off you go, you know, but, but as I say, probably now I train more, I, I go running more for mental rather than physical probably, but it still helps. Um, but yes, yeah, so yeah, I mean, in terms of business takeaways, um, I think doing something you love is the key in business. Um, for me, I've had an incredibly lucky journey where just pure chance and coincidence, no, nothing was planned at all, you know, it was just circumstances, but it's decisions, you know. It's would I prefer staying earning, you know, a higher amount of money and um, and not enjoying what I'm doing or, or actually working is something I'm really enjoying and earning less money. Ironically enough, I probably earned more money by going into sport than I would have done actually staying in, in, in commodity trading. But I would never have got anywhere near the sense of enjoyment and satisfaction. Working for myself, um, it doesn't suit everybody, but it definitely suits me. Um, I like kind of being in control of what I do. Um, so that was a you know, big, big factor actually working for myself. Coming up with a product was really the big thing, you know, actually realizing that actually creating a product um, is, is actually incredibly fulfilling, you know. So the first time you sell something that you've come up with it's actually incredibly satisfying, you know. So, and then to realize that actually you get to a point where people actually completely rely on what you're producing, you know. That daily news service suddenly became something that everybody wanted and, and you know, some people would pay for it, some people would try and get it without paying for it, but, you know, that's always the challenge of a product, you know. So someone copies it or, or, or someone tries to use it without paying for it or whatever. So sometimes you don't realize actually the consequences of all these things um but i mean you know it hasn't been a you know all the better roses and i've made some bad decisions where i've tried to buy in bring in external investors um and i think my biggest mistake um if i reflect on it is that i got people in who didn't understand sport um so um that's probably probably the biggest regret is actually not bringing in people that kind of understood what I was doing. Um, they were mostly in financial sectors, had money, um, were interested enough doing subscription services. So I always thought that that was the synergy, but actually the lack of understanding of the sports industry was 
actually the the biggest problem. They didn't understand my sector. Um, and my sector's probably very different to financial sectors and things like that. So, so yeah, in terms of business, I think you, um, you know, once you get to know your business, um, you really need to find like-minded people. And you've probably seen that with Chris and myself. There's a very strong synergy because we totally understand our industries. He understands his sector probably better than I understand my sector. So, um, so yeah, we'll see where it goes from here. Look, I, f- I found this a fascinating uh, podcast chat, and trust me, I've got to somehow get two minutes off you so I can keep up with you on the running track. Um, I think you hit 24, and I... Uh, with your 5k I did 26 yeah so uh, hopefully next year back in Singapore I can uh, catch up with the front group but all I was going to say is how could people interact with you online um, yes yeah, so I'm on LinkedIn uh, I'm on Twitter um, and yeah I, you know I tend I mean I get often you know asked I'm doing a PhD could you help me with some information or, or whatever, or, you know, I'm looking to get into sport, you know, would you contact me? And nine times out of 10, I'll try and um, answer. I mean, I'm mentoring, you know, one guy at X University at the moment. So I do certainly very happy, but you know, if I get 200 emails coming in, you know, it might take me a while to get to it, but, uh, but yeah, absolutely. You know, very happy. So that is great to all the listeners listening in that LinkedIn link will be on my website relating to this blog post Mike it's been such a pleasure chatting with you today thank you very much pleasure Ray. really great and uh, good luck with everything let me play what a really interesting career journey from Mike and it's conversations like this what I learned so much during the conversation like for me listen to Mike's journey with regards to the love of his running and how we applied his love of sport to get into the sports industry is what it's all about. Sometimes we think it's about the job, but learning from Mike, as he said, he doesn't think of his work as a job. Like, yes, he's dedicated hours of building his business, doing 18 hours a day, but he said it's a lifestyle. And the one thing relating to today's topic, without a doubt, data and technology has certainly influenced the sports industry going forward. But from a business perspective, which I learned so much is his first product. And sometimes I want to share with you what he said about how he created that digital online um, calendar with a floppy disk. You know, today's modern world, you can create a product which is so much easier now than it was for Mike. And just to hear that journey of how this first product really kick-started his sort of business journey To me, we forget this, especially in business. We always look at how successful business are, where they're at the top of, you know, getting high sales, making really expensive products. But a lot of them start off with a really small product. And to hear that story, it just shows that he he started at the bottom and worked his way up with regards to his business, his career, but also the love of what he does. Like when I met Mike in Singapore, his area of knowledge of data and understanding research from different perspectives of how um, stakeholders use their data to enhance their performance. This is where the sports industry is going forward. It's all about the data elements of where there could be new opportunities. So 
from a career perspective, I really do hope you can put into practice Mike's perspective of treating your career as a sort of lifestyle because I can relate to that as well. I don't look at my time and go, it's nine to five, I'm done. It is a lifestyle and this is part of the process of pursuing a career in the sports industry. So on that note, I really do hope you put Mike's areas of expertise with regards to his career tips and apply it to your sports career journey today and make it happen. Now, as always, at the end of each podcast episode, I'd like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Mike said, do something you love because it won't feel like work and it will become a lifestyle with personal satisfaction.